You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode 28 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. This is the podcast where we cater to flush, fluff, <laughs> flesh, we cater to flesh gamers, fluff and casual gamers, from now on called fleshual gamers, and uh, we aim to ignite the hobby in all of you. And, uh, what, are, what do we got going on tonight? Well, we've got, a, of course, at the very end of the show, we've got a Get Brittle with the Pimp Cron. We are continuing to cover um, my free rules, use your own models, skirmish war game with RPG light elements. And we're uh, dissecting the second supplement, which adds um, artifacts and uh, campaign missions and things like that to your game. That's fun. Uh, the Sacred Pulls is what we're continuing to cover tonight. We also have a Test Rock Mailbox by Frank. And he emails asking, what exactly my opinion of the start collecting price hike? And I will give you that in that section. Won't go into it now. We also have a, well, here's an idea. And that is... How to attract new players, and we don't want us to become a geriatric uh, hobby. It's great for people that are geriatric, but we also need fresh new blood. We don't want to die out in our hobby, so hopefully we can get this hobby to entice new young people to join it and break them away from their, you know, fidget spinners and whatnot. I'm joined by McStorman on that topic, and that's quite interesting. We also have a Want That or Not with Just James about the new Amble for uh, Nec- uh, for um, Blackstone Fortress, and what exactly we think of that model, and of course the kit that comes with it, but really we're talking about the model here, whether we want it or we want that not. And finally, part one of a part two series, me and Kron Jr. come together for a Age of Sigmar start collecting box battle royale, and this is part one of two. And basically, we are completely ignoring how good the armies are, how good the models are in those uh, start collecting boxes, but what we really care about is which start collecting boxes look the coolest. What includes the best models and, and things like that. And um, we're going to vote on that. And it's a, it's a pretty fun little uh, contest that we got going. And we are trying to aim to determine the coolest start collecting box set in Age of Sigmar. And of course I have plans to do this for 40k as well. But um, So it is not just judging the army. It is judging the exact models that come in the start collecting box set for Age of Sigmar, for each army. So, of course, not all armies have a start collecting box. Oh, well, tough nuggies. And uh, that's pretty fun with the old Kron Jr. So that's the real talk for tonight. And uh, not much has been going on with me, except that uh, we had a, uh, a good club clash recently where we went and played with the Tabor Wargamer League. and uh, Warhammer League, I'm sorry. Tabor Warhammer League and uh, over in Western Maryland. They are a great bunch of guys, and uh, we have, it's kind of an invitational thing, so um, it's not free to the public, but, um, or open to the public. It's not open to the public or free to the public, because the public are not invited. And, uh, but anyway, it's a really cool thing. We've made a lot of friends, um, including our friend Andy, who flies a long, long way to come see us each year. And uh, we all met at Shorehammer, and a bunch of our people have become friends with a bunch of their people, and... Um, uh, Daniel and Christopher and Juan and, and everybody and Andy. And uh, so it is a blast. And it's just another byproduct of getting out there, 
putting yourself out there, meeting new people, making new friends. And I literally look forward to this event every single year. And we, we just have a blast. We've been doing it for three straight years. This is our third inaugural club clash between um, uh, a select few of um, Del Marvel War Gamers and Tabor Warhammer League. So it is, it's just great. It's a bunch of, you know, community and hanging out. And luckily all of them really match all of us as far as our, um, our outlook on the game. You know, you don't have any serious power gamers or anything like that. And, uh, hopefully they had just as much fun as we did. And I think it showed that they did. So as always, Christopher, if you listen to the podcast, um, I appreciate that you have us and, uh, I guess we'll start the show. Why not? Also, shout out to Andy. It was great. Oh, actually, I got to play Andy. And uh, Andy is one of my friends from Shorehammer that I don't get to see that often. And uh, he kicked our butt, but, you know, what do you do? I also got to team up with my friend Brandon, who I also met through Shorehammer and uh, lives far away. So we all come together and have a great time. And uh, Brandon and I got to team up all day. Cron, crons and crons, back to back. And uh, we won our first game by, like, uh, I think 15 to 12 and then Andy and his friend David beat us, f- I think it was 15 to 10, I think was the second game. But either way, it was a great time, and uh, I'll stop rambling now. But that was definitely a noteworthy point of my entire year, is hanging out with the Tabor guys. So, we are going to get the show on the road! Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. On this edition of the Tesseract Mailbox, it is the Pimpcron, and I am reading a letter from Frank in what he describes it as Alabama, USA. And um, I'm assuming that is Alabama, the state in USA, but maybe there's like a theme park or something that's Alabama, USA. I don't know. Right back, Frank, if you live in a theme park called Alabama, USA, uh, kind of like a water country, USA, uh, let us know. So your letter is... Salutations. I am curious what your take is on the start collecting price hike. The internet is aflame with anger, it seems. And then it's signed, Frank, Alabama, USA. I really don't see a huge deal with this start collecting price hike. Of course, any price hike is going to hurt. I mean, you know, wah, I'm so sad. But really, it's not that big of a deal. Um, You know, the when you look at the start collecting boxes, they're still a very good deal. I do completely understand that it does kind of suck to get a deal on something and then get less of a deal on the same thing. I I totally get that. But, honestly, I don't really see the big issue with it. I, too, on Facebook, have seen a million uh, people crying and whining and blah, 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 and I've, I've taken it upon myself to, in most cases, reply to the person and go, dude, it's still a good deal. I mean... But you know what? I do have, I do have a way to get back at GW. So this is this is me starting an underground movement against the price hike on start collecting boxes. Here's what you do: in order to prove to GW that you do not support their new uh, price hikes and how egregious that is, and that we the people have the power to you know uh, elicit change. What you should do is just start buying all of those models at full price and don't buy them through the start collecting box. And if we go on gamesworkshop.com and we order those exact models at full price and a bunch of those, a bunch of us do them, 
they're going to see specifically, they're going to look at whoever fills those orders and they're going to go, wow, that's really weird. All of these people are not buying the start collecting boxes, but they're buying them at full price. I think people are mad about our new prices of the start collecting boxes because they're so angry they're not willing to still get a deal even though it's less of a deal than it used to be. And I'm pretty certain they're going to lower prices. If Think about it. If you made a start collecting box that was a pretty good deal and everybody was entirely ignoring it out of protest, I'm sure you'd probably reduce the price again. And that that's that's basically what my advice is to anybody that has an issue with the price hikes. I'm not a GW apologist. I'm not a GW fanboy necessarily. I like their games, but I, I'll talk shit about them if, if they need talk shit about. Um, like that Urban Conquest or whatever that bullshit box set was. Uh, I didn't like that. Um, you'll notice that, you know, almost half of our Want That or Want That Knots, we make fun of stuff like Adeptus Mechanicus. Or no, no, Adeptus Titanicus. And, uh, you know, I mean, I got no issue pulling. I don't pull punches on that. But honestly, you know, they're a business. They're going to make more money, yada, yada. I mean, it's it's not that big of a deal. And they're still giving you a discount. So the only way I can think of is to protest them by buying everything at full price. Thanks for writing in, Frank. And this is another edition of the Tesseract Mailbox. This letter came to me via pimpcron at gmail.com. I will also answer messages and put them on the air from facebook.com slash pimpcron. And we got a message just the other day that I didn't mention. Actually, I forgot to mention. And um, the name is going to escape me, damn it. I completely forgot who it was. Uh, but he was also asking where Loremaster Alex was. And um, it was actually on the morning that I published the podcast of Where in the World is Loremaster Alex. It was weird. That posts at 3 a.m., Eastern Standard Time, and this person messaged me at 2 a.m. So I asked him if he was um, psychic, and he did not reply. But he was from, I want to say, Ontario, Canada, I believe is what he said. But anyway, um, thank you for listening, everybody. I appreciate it. And please send us all of your uh, messages for the Tesseract mailbox. Also, of course, we have the phone number I never remember. It's got a bunch of ones in it. And toodles. Want that or want that not? I do declare it's one of them there. Uh, want that or want that not? It's with the Pimp Crown and uh, Lore Master Just James. Hello. Greetings, Earthlings. So today we are covering the uh, Blackstone Fortress. Well, actually, it's Warhammer Quest is the name of the product line. So Warhammer Quest, Blackstone Fred Fortress. The dreaded Amble set for sixty freaking dollars. Now, what exactly does that come with, Mister Just James? Well, it comes with the big old Amble and uh -huh. two of his little spawnling things, babies. And then it comes with cards for the game and the extra sets of uh, uh, pieces for the uh, game, uh, like uh, little cardboard pieces for the game. You mean like tiles? Yes, those things. Okay. So, uh... Well, not exactly. Not like extra <coughs> maps, but like a, a ship. And then markers. What, the Amble has its own ship? I don't think it's its own yeah, ship. Yeah, I doubt I think that. it's like an infected ship or something like that. Oh, man, that's awesome. So, of course, the talk of the town here is the actual Amble model. Uh, this whole set, I mean... It's nice to have an expansion of Blackstone Fortress, so I guess that's worth it. Um, of course, what's really holding up 
the tent post for this price is the anvil itself, obviously. Not right. not really the ex- expansions, because the expansion you'd expect to pay like 20 bucks for a couple tiles. Yeah. I mean, you know. But this amble, did you know that ambles have been around since Rogue Trader? No, I did not know that. Are you joking, or did you really not know that? I mean, you told me before. I was adding extra effect. I was just trying to go along with your thing. Yes. Uh, Ambles have been around since Rogue Trader. I did not play back then, but I have many, many times uh, seen old models of the Amble, like on on old Hammer pages and stuff. I'm part of a lot of Warhammer pages, so a lot of those, um, you know... Someone wants to be liked. Someone wants to be... (laughs) Um, and I always go in there and declare, I am Pimpcron! No. No, I never declare that. So, m- chances are, if you have a Warhammer page on Facebook, I'm probably lurking somewhere on there. <laughs> uh, I'm lurking quite like an amble might. Ooh. Did you see that? That is the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast's very first segue we've ever done. That's a quick segue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, let's talk about this model. What strikes you first about the Amble? Uh, it's really massive. It's like a huge beast because it is a huge beast. It is a huge beast. Uh, you know what would actually be cool? This just occurred to me. Is that if you took your Dark Eldar and you took a Beastmaster and instead of the Clawed Fiend, you take one of these. That's genius. And that looks freaking sweet. This model does. Yes. Um. I mean, the Clawed Fiend, actually, I really like that model, too. Yeah, that was a pretty cool one. But if you proxy this as a Clawed Fiend, or honestly, if your opponent didn't care and wasn't a dick, you could just literally just take this with the Beastmaster. I mean, because I'm certain he's not going to be a mini Imperial Knight or something. I'm certain he's probably got, what, six, eight wounds, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be anything game-breaking. Um, but uh, now you said uh, they're probably going to release rules for 40K with this too, right? It comes with the box set, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, it comes with little griblies, which I don't know exactly what they do, but they're adorable. So, you know, if you... Uh, I don't know. The first thing that strikes me about this is this has a... Uh, what's her name? Drycha? Yeah. Some From Sil- Sylvanus? Sylvanus. Yeah. I got to pronounce it right because of the last podcast. Uh that was one of the words. Some people, I always said Sylvaneth. It's yeah. Sylvaneth is the proper pronunciation. Okay. So Sylvaneth Dreitcha model with all of the, um, what's that, what's that uh, phobia where people don't like, and I actually, it bothers me too, like a bunch of holes, honeycombed holes in your skin. Oh, yeah, I don't like that either, uh, but I don't know what it's called. Yeah, there's like a, like a phobia. Holophobia. <laughs> no, that's people that are celibate. They have holophobia. Oh. Yes. Um, but this looks really, really cool. And to be even grosser, there's bugs falling out of his armpit, out of some of these holes. And out of his crotch, he's peeing bugs. Look at those beetles. <laughs> Ew. So this is clearly a mama amble. This is not a daddy amble. Uh, it could be either way. You don't know its gender. Well, it's true. They, they could just, uh, 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 produce by budding like a sponge. Yeah. Where these things just fall out of them and that's their new babies. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it actually does. Or maybe, I mean, maybe these ambles are fresh from, from getting freaky and they're just fertilized. <laughs> they got babies falling out everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like a 16-year-old mom, this amble is just full of babies. 
So, uh, it has to be like a seahorse. Uh, I don't really get that reference. You know, the, the males, they carry the babies around. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot about that. Do they have a pouch? Uh, no, it's, I don't know. I don't know how it works, but like the, the female will be pregnant and then all of a sudden she'll just transfer it over to the male. And oh. they'll become pregnant. Sweet. I wish it was like that for humans. Because the whole time that, that um, Cronette was pregnant with our four children, I was like, man, I envy you. <laughs> <laughs> you do know that I never said that to her because I would have been struck. <laughs> struck down in my prime. You might still get struck. Yeah, if she hears this. Uh, so anyway, this amble is really freaking sweet looking. I have uh, always been in love with the amble. The the old model, I mean, it's not this cool looking, but this is clearly the same model as the old Amble. It's kind of sitting forward just like this with its long arms, and it's got the big pincers in front. Um, I don't recall it having that honeycomb stuff. Maybe that's new. Maybe it was like real. I've like rarely seen a uh, painted Amble because it's an old metal model. I'm pretty sure it didn't have the honeycomb, so that's kind of a neat addition to it. But... Uh, so what what are your thoughts? Do you want this or want this not? Well, I have Blackstone Fortress. What? And I've only played a few games, but I definitely would want this. Dude, I am I am so in love with this model. I I don't play Blackstone Fortress, and I could not give a crap about the expansion necessarily. I mean, I'll play it with you, but I don't want it for myself because I don't own Blackstone Stone Fortress. Right. But $60 for this model I think I'm willing to pay that. I really, really like this model. Now watch it be like really deceiving, and it's like the size of a space marine. <laughs> like it's really little. So it's funny because I don't know what size base that's on, but uh, it would be funny if it was like space marine size. Well, those are clearly 25 mils. Yeah. So that's might be a Carnifex, but yeah, it's probably a Carnifex base. I don't think it's a 40. No, the Terminators are 40s. The Carnifex, I think, is 60. Okay. So I think that is a Carnifex base. But uh, it doesn't matter. I definitely want that. So that's a thumbs up from the Pimpcron, and that's a thumbs up from Just James. Right, Just James? Right, Just James. Excellent, Pimpcron. All right, well, that is it. We have... Wow, we really rambled on this one. This is a long segment. I'll have to cut this down. That's your fault, Just James. Now, here's an idea. Welcome to another edition of Well, Here's an Idea, and today I'm joined by Mick Storman. What's up? And, of course, I'm the Pimp Crown. So today we wanted to discuss, um, are we an aging demographic of wargamers? Is, is this just going to eventually be an old man's club, or are we actually attracting any new, younger players? And if not, how can we do it? So, first off, do you feel like there are new people joining the hobby, or do you think it's just old people? Well, I think it's hard, because what I see and what I, what I perceive is that it seems like it's only older people that are playing. Like, people in their very late tw uh, 20s. I don't... I very rarely see anyone in their teens or early 20s playing the hobby. Me, personally. I'm not sure, people might see that, but uh -huh. I have not seen it since I 
got into it. So I've been in this for 10 years, mm-hmm. and just in the last year, we got three high schoolers. Mm-hmm. that um, they're, Now they're out of high school now, but yeah. we just had three high schoolers join. But you're right. Mo- usually it's like late 20s, early 30s, into your 40s, 50s, whatever. Um, we, I've never seen an 80-year-old play it. Well, and that's my thing. I think my theory is that it's going to get worse, as in the participation of playing the hobby, because with, with your smartphones and everyone wants to play mm-hmm. games and apps and... It's very rare people play board games anymore. Not alone, you know, not alone board games, but getting into like a Warhammer. Uh-huh. I think that people are just they're, they're gearing toward more online stuff. But you know what? On the other hand, Magic has all kinds of new young players. That's so true. what's the difference between Warhammer and Magic? Maybe because Magic's cheaper, isn't it, than buying? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I mean, to just get in the hobby, Magic's mm-hmm. way cheaper. Hmm. It's like twelve dollars for a starter deck. But to actually play any sort of competitiveness, yeah. you're talking about a deck that could potentially be you yeah, know, true. hundreds you're of right, dollars. Right. Well, maybe, th- maybe that's too, because maybe may Magic's easy, because you bring you could bring literally one deck in your pocket. Yes. And Warhammer, you got to bring like your whole truck and a trailer. And, yeah, and, and a train. Tra- and a tractor and... trailer to transport all your stuff. And that's and it is a lot of work. And if you're a lazy teenager, that's too much work for you. You can just carry a deck of cards in your pocket. Yeah, and a deck that's... of cards and then voila. Versus... Also, the games are short. Yeah, so true, it's, it's true. like a five minute, ten minute game yeah, and for Magic, I, and I agree with that. I mean, a lot of people might start hissing at me um, when I say this, but I, I do think these a lot of these a lot of these Warhammer games they are way too. I, I got a short attention span. I see a squirrel <laughs> and I'm gone. I, I'm, I mean, yeah, you know me, yeah. Pepcron, but uh, it, it's it's so true. I mean, I I, I love playing games like this, uh-huh. but to me, man, we got it's got to be short. I can't, like Monopoly. I can't stand Monopoly because it takes forever. Yeah. I got stuff to do. <laughs> you got stuff. To do. I mean, I got I got to do stuff. I got to eat. I got to use the bathroom. I, <laughs> I can't I can't sit there for freaking four hours. And my biggest pet peeve about Warhammer is all the I mean, people might, like I said are hissing at me right now, but all the dang dice rolling. Holy crap! <laughs> you don't like the dice rolling? No, that's what most people much. love about no, it. No, it's like it's insane. Like, oh, let me roll for attack. Let me roll for armor save. Let me roll yeah. to this. Let me roll to see if you can save. Let me roll for this. Let me roll if it rains tonight. <laughs> like, man, like, it should, I don't know. That's just a whole different topic. But anyway. Yeah. But um, I, what do you think would be the major hurdle? So we've already discussed that, you know, the games are longer mm-hmm. and it's more expensive and more involved. Plus, you got to assemble and paint your models, yeah. which is a big deal. Magic cards, you buy the card. That's it. Yep. You own the card. Well, like, there's me, nothing. I think that's it. that's the answer. I think, from my perspective, what made me very hesitant, even even just even start painting, is that it's very overwhelming. Uh huh. Because learning the rules, and uh, the painting and the sh- the effects, how to paint and the techniques, a lot a lot of time for people is a very it's a it's a um, daunting. Yeah, and it makes you not want to get into it because it seems like way too much work. Yeah. And it is. It can scare you from not playing that hobby because, like, oh, I'm not. I'll never be that good, so I'm not going to even try. True, and also starting an army is a pretty big undertaking. Yeah, I mean, I even see experts are playing this game, and they're still in their rule books, looking through. Like, even they're not hundred percent sure half yeah. the time because that's so many rules are in this game. Yeah, and magic, of course, magic can be pretty complex, but the basics of it are pretty simple. Yeah, it's very basic. Throw it land, yeah. soil creatures, counter spells, and voila. I mean, it's so. It, what do you think they could do to entice younger people? I mean, like I said, a lot of things I'm saying here, people are probably screaming at me. My perspective as an outsider trying to get into it is that make it simple. 
Uh-huh. I mean, why has it got to be so dang complicated? I, I, video games are not even that complicated. I mean, True. I know people like strategy and you like this. I'm like, I like strategy too, but you could have a strategy game with good quality and content and not have all these... I have a um, 400-page rule book. Yeah, well, 8th edition 40K has definitely simplified the game. Well, it's good. It's much, much more uh, simple, streamlined, you know, all of that. So I think think that's probably the reason why they did that is because they're trying to gear it towards the younger generations. Yeah, and, I mean, I, like I said, my my attention span's really short, and I'm a grown grown man. <laughs> and if you're sitting there, freaking, it takes you thirty minutes to make your move. I'm done. Like, yeah, it sh- your move should only there should be a timer actually in Warhammer. You should have two minutes to make your freaking your play, and that's it. Yeah, if you can't make your play in two minutes, then your your time's up. Well, see, a lot of people like the average game for Warhammer is like let's say fifteen hundred points. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like 1,500 or maybe 1,000, something like that. I like the smaller-ish games. Yeah. Some people will try to play a 3,000-point game, oh and I goodness. just don't feel like it. Yeah, it's, it's just too much time. Yeah, it really uh, is. I mean, if you had the time... Why would you spend it all doing that? I don't uh, know. Some people like it. Yeah, but... I, mean, I could see like if you had a tournament. Tournaments, because it's, like, it's supposed yeah. to be like a big thing, maybe for something like that. But I just can't sit there for freaking six hours. Yeah. I mean, I, so, can, I can't. There's things I like to do. I would never do for six hours. Just, so, what do you think? Um, what do you think about if they did pre-painted miniatures like Heroclix? Do you think ooh. that would help get people in? Well, I think they'll never do that. I just think because it's a lot more money involved in buying paint. Yeah, the paint and the brushes and the. And there's yeah. more. And one, well, a lot of times, I think people get into the hobby is because you can paint your own miniature. Oh, it could be because you could customize it to what you want to look. Uh huh. Versus, if they're all painted, they all look the same. They'll all be very robotic and cookie cutter. And True. Own... Like Heroclix. Yeah, where... exactly. It's yeah. the same thing. Kind of boring, yada, yada, yada. So I get that painting it would be a bad mistake, I think. I would think something with the rules are just some way to simplify. Well, I don't what know, about... even more than what it is now. Maybe even if you don't change the game, but what if you change it for your game club? So, for instance, if you have... Um, Maybe an old army that somebody doesn't want anymore mm-hmm. to just keep it at the store mm-hmm. so that new players could try it. Try it. And here's it. an army. Yeah. Um, something like that would be helpful. Now, yeah. I know our group is very friendly and open to new people. Yeah. So we always are willing to like run demos or um, we will let like this person goes, oh, I'm new to the hobby. Yeah. I want to try Tyranids. Yeah. Well, then one of us Tyranid players will go, well, here, team up with me. We'll yeah. play a game. You know what I mean? They they can they don't have to have the whole army. They don't have to do the whole thing ahead of time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree with that too because um, a lot of it says says something about that. Um, but I do think too is that we gamers got to be really nice to people coming into it or even curious. Yeah. Almost like a like a cult or a religion. <laughs> like they'll think about it. Like for example, I walked to a gaming store near us and. When I go in there, I'm I'm very curious about painting it, but no one's talking to me. No one's trying uh-huh. like, oh hey, let me show you this stuff. Oh, let me show you how to play this game. It would be really cool if they actually took me by the arm, uh, so to speak, and like, hey, let me show you how to do this, or, or let me run it down. And you know, but it's everyone's very for some reason when I've been to a lot of gaming communities, everyone's standoffish or afraid to talk to you. And I think it's because a lot of them are introverts. They're shy. Yeah, they don't know you. And I agree. You know? but I, I bet you, I I guarantee if you. If, People are more like, hey, let me show you how to play this game, and I'll, here's some pieces. You want to play with my board, and they're super nice. Yes. I think more people would join. Yep. Um, you know, it's funny because um, now we won't say the name of it, but do you remember the gaming store that we used to go to to buy Magic cards mm-hmm. and whatnot back yep. in the day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to buy Reaper minis from them. Oh yeah, remember? that's when we first saw them. Yeah. Yep. And um, that place 
as soon as you walked in the door, you could hear a pin drop. I know. Everyone looks at you, and they're pale-faced. It was like a coven of vampires, right? It is, right? it is. Like, new, and they all hiss. New flesh, new flesh. <laughs> yeah, they all hiss. <laughs> and uh, they... It, I felt so unwelcome. It is. It is. Like, I, totally. And that's why a lot of people like, like, oh, never mind. I wanted to get into... And that's the thing. There's no... And it's not really well advertised. I wish people would advertise more online. Like, hey, we're playing Warhammer. You want, you want to play with us? We're meeting here to play. Yeah. That would be so cool if people reached out more. Like you said, it's almost it's almost like people only play with a certain clique and they don't want any outsiders. Well, that's weird because, okay, at Shorehammer, we run into that same thing, mm-hmm. okay? Everybody's very friendly and very nice at Shorehammer, mm-hmm. but people are still shy and nervous. Mm-hmm. So we will be like, hey, if anybody wants to play a pickup game with a stranger, yeah. let's do that. And then you'll turn around and see people no that came there together uh-huh. playing together. Yeah, it's like, well, play like, with other people. Play with someone new. You're, you got, yeah, a well, ton of people That's here. why I always refer to religion, even if you're not religious or not. You should almost like treat it like a religion. Like, like spread the word. Go out to the street. Tell people about it. I think it would get more people into the game if you talk more about it. I also think that you should murder people that don't agree with your game. <laughs> <laughs> convert or die yes. you're going to hell if you don't play <laughs> well i mean the, the warhammer guys storm the store uh-huh. and behead all the magic players there's <laughs> <laughs> like this big rivalry war but i mean there's a lot to say about it, though because i think one reason why people don't bring it up that much because people are afraid they're gonna get teased or mocked true or... also think about women okay mm-hmm. oh, so yeah. mm-hmm. so this is going to be just stereotyping women but whatever yeah. so Women are generally much more socially sensitive. Yeah. Like, they can, they get a feeling about people. They read the room more. Mm-hmm. And if they walk in, now, me being a guy, I used to walk in that old store and I was like, wow, I feel uncomfortable here mm-hmm. because nobody's mm-hmm. paying any attention to me. Actually, they are, but they're staring at me like, ah, intruder, intruder, uh-huh. right? So if I was a woman, I would arguably be more sensitive to that. Yeah. And you walk in there as a woman and you'd be like, oh, wow, this is maybe creepy because mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone no one is is treating you like a person they're just like oh the, you know well another, another thing too there is stigma around these ga- these gaming stuff because i thought i thought you're going somewhere else with that woman thing i thought you're gonna say well you're on a first date and the girl asks you what do you do <laughs> oh god like oh i could play warhammer baby that is something you save for like the fifth or sixth date that's not <laughs> I think, something no, you... i think like the one year into the relationship you bring it up <laughs> yeah yeah she's like what's this in the closet oh don't look at that <laughs> don't look at it but I, what i honestly think that is which i'm joking around about that but i think a lot of people don't want to talk about warhammer in other miniature games is because they're afraid they're gonna get teased or look less masculine true and you know what i i do that with um my customers at yeah. my real job um i've had people customers that i knew really well yeah and I was, um, you know, this was like late in the day at work and I was getting ready to leave so I could go to Warhammer mm-hmm. that night at the store. And they'd be like, oh, uh, where are you heading off to? And I'm like, oh, I've got a club I go to. And they're like, oh, yeah, what kind of club? And I'm like, uh, just a strip, strip uh, club. Yeah. <laughs> we do drugs. Yeah, we do drugs. Do drugs yes. Um, and it, it really is embarrassing. And it's funny because I've had a customer or two find out and they go, what I do, oh, and they make fun of me. I know, I know. They'll actually make fun of me for this. Oh, he's going to go play with his doll. Well, the thing is, honestly, I was one of those people who used to make fun of people. That yeah. This. But the thing is, that when you get into it, it's actually it's fun. Uh-huh. It's creative. Like and the painting, I used to laugh, like, oh, painting miniatures, that's so lame. That's so stupid. Then I'm like, you know what? I got into it, I'm like... This is actually really cool. This okay, is... what about 40-year-old Virgin? One of the things he did in his spare time was paint miniatures. Do you oh, remember yeah. that? Because ster- it's a stereotype, yep. just like anything else. And he's like, oh, your your red shirt is now green. Yeah. Or 
<laughs> but I mean, that's the, that's the whole dilemma we're talking about. We need to make it a way to make it not, you know, less nerdy or less cool. I mean, there, it is cool. I think people need to talk about it more and not be afraid of what, if they tease you. Uh-huh. And just be more bold about it. And it's it's funny too because um you know Marvel like comic books have basically broke that mold mm-hmm. because comic books were always something like you know I was always into comics yeah and like in high school I didn't talk about it like you don't advertise back then that you liked yeah. comics but now with it's the become, movies it's becoming cool oh yeah the our local store Phoenix they say that women come in all the time and they're like oh yeah I read this issue or that you know this title or they have subscriptions and mm-hmm. whatnot. And they said the number of women getting into D&D and the number of women getting into, um, well, also magic, but also comic books is way higher than mm-hmm. it ever has. Yeah. And it's because... It's become more socially become, acceptable. Yeah, socially acceptable. And so that's so, the thing we do with these board games. You make them more normalized and more common. If yeah. more people played, it would be, would be more common. More people would get into and it. And then just like the comic books. So they're like, oh, I like the movies. Well, then this is more mm-hmm. acceptable yeah. and I can read the comics. I agree. So, and you know, I'm sure there would have been more women all along reading comic books yeah. if it had been more socially acceptable. Yeah. So, and if it doesn't work, we could just become a Jonestown. Yeah. We could all just drink Kool-Aid <laughs> and just end it and just be one mass, you know. That's true. And now that'll, that'll be a statement. Then people will feel bad for us and they will get into and it. And then they'd get into it. That's yep. right. A whole new generation. Now we so, couldn't play with them because we'd be dead. So listen, but... folks, a month from now, if the numbers don't <laughs> increase, we're all drinking the Kool-Aid. Okay, right. so just officially speaking, um, <laughs> please do not behead magic players. And also, uh, I swear this isn't a cult. And no one, <laughs> no one uh, is supposed to be committing suicide, please. We don't condone that. So uh, I think that's it for it. Uh, thanks for being with me, uh, McStorman. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'll yeah. talk to you later. All right. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Well, welcome to another edition of Real Talk with the Pimpcron. I am the aforementioned Pimpcron, and today I am joined by my favorite oldest offspring, Cron Jr. Hello, people. Uh, you are assuming that all of my listeners are people. I actually have many sentient gases, some emotions, and uh, several extraterrestrials that listen to my show. Um, what? <laughs> all right, so uh, we had a neat idea that I would really like to do, and... That would be, we are going to start a start collecting deathmatch. That sounds cool. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to pit start collecting boxes against each other in not how good they are, right, on the battlefields, rules-wise and all that, but how cool they look. Yeah, that that sounds cool, actually. All right. So let's start with Caradron Overlord's Start Collecting Box versus Corn Bloodbound Start Collecting Box for Age of Sigmar. Now, the Caradron Overlords you see are little dwarf people. They're actually called Sky Dwarves because they they fly in those Zeppelin planes. Ooh, it looks like um, it looks like a uh, a evil air hot air balloon. <laughs> well, Caradron Overlords are not bad guys. They're actually order. And uh, do you see my favorite, some of my favorite models there are the guys with the balloons. They're like jump troops and they've got balloons they float with. (laughs) Yeah. Now. They're like they just crashed a birthday party or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, you've got a ship in that one. You've got the fly guys with the balloons, which I absolutely love. And you got a bunch of little dwarves that are kind of steampunkish and whatnot. Yeah. Versus 
the corn bloodbound which you see corn bloodbound um there's no demons in that box that we're looking at it's got the um uh the the chaos uh human guys yes and uh, there's a slaughter priest right out front there's some uh uh i think they're called blood crushers there's or skull crushers there's a banner dude uh, there's a banner guy. There's a skull crushers riding in the background. See on those. Oh yeah, those. They're uh, like those... mechanical bulls. Oh yeah, they're like a red. They're like really mad uh, bulls. Well, everything corn is mad. They're always just mad. Oh. Um, actually, on the corn version of Facebook, there's only one react emoji, and it's mad. Oh. Yeah, they don't have the five. So, which one do you think looks cooler? The box on the right or the box on the left? The Caradron Overlord Sky Dwarves or the Corn Bloodbound? I honestly think Caradron Overlords are better. You think they look cooler? Yeah, because there's, there's a evil hot air balloon and, and stuff. Yeah, I, I like the idea that it actually has a vehicle in its start collecting box. Yeah. Um, the Corn Bloodbound guys, they all kind of look the same. Uh, although I really do, I play Corn Blood Mountain, so I actually really like the motif of their army, but I think I do like the Sky Dwarves better because they have a, uh, flyer. I think that box looks cooler. The only issue, though, is that you get way more in the Corn Bloodbound box. Look how many models you get in that. Yeah, but how good is the vehicle exactly? Well, we're not, we're not concerned with how good it is. We're just, how cool uh. it looks. So I think that between these two, the Sky Dwarves do look better than the corn bloodbound you agree with that yeah okay so the caradron overlords win round one all right round two fight caradron overlords start collecting box with the skaven pestilence start collecting box oh no i just closed it uh so the caradron overlords versus the skaven pestilence box um, now, we already discussed the Caradron Overlords, what they have, right? The Zeppelin and the Fly Guys and Little Shooty Guys. Yeah. The Skaven here clearly have several structures. What do they have in this box, Scotty? So they look like what's got like half of a rune, catapult, poison, the warp stone thingy. Uh-huh. And they also got some sort of cannon with a warp stone head on it. Yeah, it's like a catapult. Yeah. Or some sort of, yeah. A swinging thing. Now I don't play. Now we're getting into territory where I don't play either one of these armies in Age of Sigmar. Neither do you. Um, we've got a bunch of clan rats. It looks like too. These these pestilent people. Maybe clan rats is the wrong word. But there's all these nasty looking little rat ratkins, mm-hmm. and uh, it comes with some pretty cool structures. So now we're getting into the idea that it's not just Caradron Overlords with that Zeppelin versus people on the ground, right? Yeah. Now we're getting into a Zeppelin versus structures and including these guys. So what do you think of these people? I like how that this one little uh, rat is like uh, holding out the uh, holding out the Skaven symbol. Uh-huh. Yeah, that one looks pretty cool. So what do you think? Um, I like how they're covered in rags and yeah. things like that. I think it looks pretty cool. Um, those models are a little dated. And what I mean by that is they're a little older and they look a little older. But as far as the start collecting box, I actually think the Caradron Overlord models look better than the Skaven Infantry. What do you think? Uh, well, I like that there's more models and I also like that it's got two structures like 
they got a swing, and they also got a, a thing that shoots heads. Yeah. Yeah, the, the structures, I think, really distinguish this start collecting box. Okay, since, since there is a Skaven with, like, a gong thing, can I make a gong sound every time the round starts? <laughs> sure. Um, so, what is your vote here, Kron um, Jr.? Are you Caradron Overlords, or are you uh, Skaven Pestilens? I'm Skaven Pestilens. Ah, I hate to say this, but I think I agree with you. Skaven Pestilens looks really cool, with the Doom... I mean, the, the warp fire rock that's swinging in that one and all of those. I like those structures of all those vehicles and yeah. things like that. I actually think the Caradron Overlord troops look better, but the Skaven Pestilent people, um, they are helped. What I mean, their score is upped because they have such cool structures. Yeah, and also they, uh, there's... On one of the structures, there's this tiny little rat, and he's like, I will free my people. <laughs> <laughs> he's holding up the staff. All right, weirdo. Um, So, that is round two. The Skaven Pestilence box set wins. Sorry, I was late with the gong sound. All right, so this is round three, and we have the Skaven Pestilence versus the Slaves to Darkness. So, with this box set, we have um so in this box set for uh the what are they called slaves of darkness slaves of darkness they've got like what looks like these uh these black horses mhm they've got a bunch of chaos knights which i also play slaves of darkness so these are a bunch of chaos knights there's and- like this uh guy wearing some horned horse head holding up the staff that's got a golden eye on it. Yeah, he's actually uh, like a zinch uh he's a sorcerer, he's a chaos sorcerer. So that's a pretty sweet model. Um I have never been a big fan of the chaos warrior models, the guys the dad at the bottom. Yeah. I kind of think they're boring. They're all the same pose. Yeah. I don't care for them. But the um, the chariot in the back, I've always loved the chariots. Now, they're not very great in the game, but I love them. Yeah. I own two. So, I have 15 Chaos Knights of those knights, okay. and I've got the chariot. So, do you think these look cooler than the Skaven Pestilence? Hey, does it have one of those Chaos over- Overlords like you won at Burks? Uh, no. Actually, this one just comes with a sorcerer as the oh. as the HQ. So which box do you think looks better here? The Skaven or the Slaves of Darkness? Or Slaves to Darkness? Um, Slaves of Darkness. I still think that the uh, the Skaven are better. Now, see, I have to disagree with you because the Skaven models are pretty boring to me. I really like the structures. These models overall are way cooler. I think the Chaos Warriors are kind of boring, but the Sorcerer looks cool, the Knights look cool, and the Chariot looks cool. So how are we gonna how are we gonna break this tie, homeboy? They've got a swing set. They've got a, <laughs> the Skaven. <laughs> yeah, they do have a swing set. You know what? We're gonna have to we're gonna have to solve this via coin flip. Oh boy! Because this is okay. I call heads. All right, heads. Heads. Oh, that saddens me. So Slaves to Darkness loses out to Skaven, and I honestly disagree with that, but. Uh, now you're not you're not being um, biased just because we have a guinea pig, right? Uh, actually, I just love rodents in general. See, you're biased, is what it is. What's biased? You're you're slanted one way towards rodents. 
do these models actually look cooler than the Skaven, or do the Skaven actually look cooler than these? Most of them are pretty boring. No, oh, you think they're boring, huh? Now, I agree with the Chaos Warriors. They're kind of blah. But I love the knights. They're big and beefy, and I love the chariot. And I love the sorcerer. But you won the coin toss, and both of us are both on both sides of this. So, Skaven win round three. I hate to admit that. Okay, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, something is going to beat Skaven next turn, though. All right, round four, Skaven Pestilence box set is up against Beast Claw Raiders. Now, I do not care for Beast Claw Raiders as an army, but boy, are they pretty. Yeah, I like how there's like some warrior, four warrior goats, and then there's like, <laughs> <Warrior goats. laughs> then there's like this big icy elder warrior goat. That's like a stone horn or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Justin plays them a lot. I don't know all the terms. I don't play that army. But, uh, boy, I really, really like the, uh, the, uh, Beast Claw Raiders. I really like those models. Yeah. Those are actually ogres on top of giant monsters. You mean warrior goats? Warrior goats, yes. So, do you like these guys? Do you think they look cooler than the Skaven? I think they look cooler than the Skaven. Hot dog! I 100% agree with you. I think that while the structures from the Skaven look really neat, their their regular troops kind of suck. In their in their look, they don't look great because they're older yeah. models. These beast claw raiders win round four, and I'm so happy that you let your prejudices aside. What? <laughs> what? I because you I love so, rodents. I so wish I had a swivel chair in my guinea pig right now, so I would just like turn around slowly while we like a supervillain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> while pet stroking it. All right, I've got you where I want you, Mister Bond. <laughs> So, uh, instead, I would much rather pet a battle goat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Beast Claw Raiders win round five. Okay. This is round six. We've got the Beast Claw Raiders versus the start collecting Demons of Slanesh army. Now, if you look at this, they have the um that big structure. I think it's the flare, something like oh, that. Oh, wow. That, it's got like four dragons on it this looks so epic so they're actually they're fiends of slanesh oh um no 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 they're not fiends of slanesh they're um the cavalry what seekers they're seekers of slanesh and you've got a leader look she's got double whips standing on the back of it well uh i think that thing honestly looks like a miniature ender dragon yeah it looks pretty cool kind of looks like an aardvark too with a long tongue yeah so with this box set, you get a leader on top of this big machine, and you get several cavalry, riding seekers, and on the back you get some demonettes, which are their regular troops. Um, they're very scaly, they've got claws, etc., etc. Everybody knows what Slanesh looks like. Do you think the Beast Claw Raiders look cooler than the Slanesh box, or do you think this box looks cooler than Beast Claw Raiders? This this I think is cooler than Beast Claw Raiders. I disagree. I think huh? Beast Claw Raiders look way cooler. But there's like all these Ender Dragon guys. Yeah, I get it. I mean, they're they're like baby dragons. It almost looks like, and I I appreciate that. But that thing in the bottom left corner is just amazing. It is really cool. The um flare seeker chariot, whatever exalted, whatever. 
Um, just James plays Chaos uh, Slanesh Demons. What I don't if, play him. What if they uh they had like a, a multiple way battle of just chariots and all the chariots fought each other? You could do that. So you think that this looks cooler than Base Claw Raiders? Yeah. Um, I disagree. We're going to the Almighty Coin Flip. Call it. Heads. It is tails. Beast Claw Raiders went out. Justice was served. <laughs> Round six. Beast Claw Raiders stay in. Let's see what's up next. Bow. All right. It is round seven, and the Beast Claw Raiders are now 2-0. and oh. They are going to fight the Flesh Eater Quartz box set. So the box set for this comes with a giant terror geist, a, um, an aberrant ghoul king on a terror geist. Don't you have that? I do have that model. I actually have this army, which is the, um, you see those three, uh, crypt horrors, the big guys. Yeah. And it comes with, uh, it looks like 10, uh, crypt ghouls, which are the Wait, little guys. You, ha- you have those trees in the background too. Uh, I do, but that's not part of the box set. Oh. So these guys are pretty cool. I've always been a fan of flesh eater courts, but you know what I'm not a fan of? What? The crypt ghouls, the little guys. Yeah. I have never ever liked the crypt ghouls as a model i own them i do not like them and you know why they look cool because one of them looks like pennywise is riding on the back of them. <laughs> it's a skeleton but um the crypt ghouls to me have always been too small if you look at them compared to like a regular human they're yeah. really really small they're all hunched over which doesn't help now the crypt horrors are one of my very favorite models ever my crypt horrors i use them as grotesques for my dark eldar I use them as, well, Cryptars. Yeah. And um, so that's, I love the Cryptars and I love the Terrorgeist. But the ghouls are a real downside for me. Which one do you think looks better? The um, uh, Flesh Eater Quartz or Fle- the... I've always liked Flesh Eater Quartz. They've just looked cool because they're flesh eating. Okay, so do you think this start collecting box looks cooler than Beast Call Raiders, or do you think Beast Call Raiders looks cooler than this? I think it looks cooler, because one has Pennywise riding on its back, one looks like a demon troll, and another one looks like this bat slash dragon thing. Okay, I am really on the fence here, because Beast Call Raiders as a box, you get all of those big monsters, Yeah. right? In this one, you get ten little griblies. Which which I do not like those models anyway. I love that name. And one of them is right. One of uh, there's a Pennywise right. Yes, I hear you. So um, three. So I'm I'm on the fence about this box because the Terrorgeist and the three Crypt Horrors, the big guys, are two of my favorite all time models that GW makes. Period. Okay. Mm. But the Crypt Goals really take it down a notch for me versus the. the um, Beast Claw Raiders are big, beefy, awesome-looking models. There's only five of them, though. There's only five, but they're all monsters. The one's a huge monster, a behemoth, and the other four are big. I think this would beat the other one. Um, I've seen I... you play with that bat thing before. It's it pretty kicks, awesome, it isn't it? Butt. Yeah, it does. Um, I think we're gonna have to get a coin toss. What? Because Beast Claw Raiders, it's hard to beat them. Although I'm really on the fence because the Flesh Eater Quartz is pretty darn cool. So, gosh, this is hard for me. Let's do it. Let's do a coin toss. Heads. 
Tails. So the Beast Claw Raiders are 3-0 and in round seven. We're going to beat them. <laughs> Legion! All right. So the next army that we have, this is uh, round eight. Oh, yes, okay. yes. I, okay, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it looks awesome. All right, you got to do you. your gong. There you go. All right, now, the round eight is Beast Claw Raiders versus the Night Haunt start collecting box. So what do you have in there, Colin Okay, Jr.? you have five, chari- uh, five chariot guys, these awesome guys on the horse. Then you have the uh, then you have the ghost guys, which I like. Dad has them, and then you got the epicness chariot of Dustars. It is the Mortis engine. It's got a necromancer on top of it. Actually, in the game, it's not that great, but that's irrelevant to this competition. Yeah, that is an awesome, beautiful looking model. Yeah. So, I am not a fan of the guys on horses. I've never really liked their look. I don't think they're a great model. They're kind of goofy looking, and I really don't like the fire on them. If you look really close, they've got like little flames of fire sticking off them. Do not like that. But the spirit hosts, I've always been a fan of. And the Mortis engine, I absolutely love. We're going to win this one. I really... So what's your vote? This or... My vote is the... uh, It's the... uh, Night Haunt? Whatever you Malignant. call it. Malignant. Yeah. So, are you f- you are voting for this, for the Night Haunt? Yes. I have to admit that while I'm not thrilled about the Hex Wraiths on the cavalry, I do love the Spirit Hosts, and more than anything, I think that Mortis engine looks cooler than anything in that Beast Claw Raider box. Yeah, look at it. That thing is like a foot tall. It's beautiful. It, it really is. Do they even make models that tall? Yeah, they do. It's it's a very, very tall model. But all the skeletons is being carried by skeleton, ghostly horsemen. And this takes, this takes us back to the Lady Islander episode where everything's just so fragile, though. Everything's fragile, but it, this is the rule of coal for this competition. Yeah. And I think we both are in agreement that Night Haunt, Start Collecting Box, really takes the cake and beats out beast claw raiders yeah um you might even say it beast claws <laughs> no it it beasts it out that was a terrible joke yeah how did you let me make that joke i don't know that was a that was a really atrocious Why joke did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side that's equally bad yeah I know. so all right night haunt we've got a new champion in round eight for night haunt round nine what do we have here? Hold on. Oh, the, oh, Hold this on. is going to beat it. Everything beats it. You want the new thing every time. Well, it's well. I did take the Skaven Raddies. Okay, so this is the Start Collecting Vanguard box set for Stormcast versus the Night Haunt. What do you think about this? we got a bunch of guys on these um, Dracolines, which and is... And there's a, there's a blue cat. A blue cat. They're Griffhounds, actually. Oh. And um, we got a bunch of the Vanguard guys that are, are kind of like scouts. There's a red cat. Yeah, we've got a, um, the hero back in the corner is on a, a demigriff, I think it is, or something like that. We got a blue and a red cat and an evolving red, a blue cat. So what do you think about this? This is um, this is more models than the, uh, the Night Haunt box. There's no major monsters, though. Um, Can it hold up against the Night Haunt? 
Re- I, remember how beautiful that mortise engine is. I I think Night Haunt still uh still is good. Wait, hold on. Oh yeah. This is round eight. Uh, maybe. I, don't know. <laughs> I forgot too. <laughs> we are the worst. We've already established in this podcast that numbers escape us. As we're talking, it's really hard to remember what round we're on. So I think this is round eight. And uh, what do you think? You think Night Haunt or do you vote not- Va- Vanguard? Night-, Night Haunt is awesome. I've always liked them. Oh, gosh. The Night Haunt are really, really relying on that Mortis engine in my head. That Mortis engine looks so cool that it's going to outweigh most things. Even though I'm not a fan of the Hex Wraiths and the Spirit Hosts are pretty cool. Uh, I'm really on the fence with this decision. You say the Night Haunt are better than this. Yes. Uh, I mean, Stormcasts suffer a little bit because they always kind of look basic. Kind of like Space Marines. They're always kind of like the same. And the Night Haunt has a lot more attitude to it. But you are getting a leader on horseback, essentially, and three others on horseback, essentially. And Griff Hounds and the other one. Gosh, we don't agree on much. I'm actually going to say I would rather have this than the Night Haunt box. I think this one looks cooler. That Mortis engine is beautiful. I know, I know. That's the that's the one kink in my strategy. Like, I, I really, or my decision. That Mortis engine is so darn pretty. And the Night Haunts. You know what? I'm going to stick with Night Haunt. Yay! High five. There you go. All right, we're sticking with Night Haunt. Uh, forget you, Vanguard, Stormcast. You're just more Stormcast anyway. No one likes you. End of part one. I've used all the dating sites that are out there, and each one is exactly the same. Full of players and losers who only want one thing. That's when I found out about joining Pimpcron on Patreon. With a simple monthly donation, I get all of the love and support from Pimpcron that I could possibly want. See you later, dating websites. I've got the patreon.com backslash pimpcron. Let's get brutal. All right, this is another edition of Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron, where we discuss my free rules, use your own models, 28mm skirmish war game with RPG light elements. So we are not selling you a darn thing. You just go ahead and download the rules at facebook.com slash brutality skirmish war game. And you join our community where we talk about the models, etc., etc. And possibly even join our online campaign that we've been doing on Roll20. And that is about it. So let's go on with the... Um, uh, uh, Lands of the Ether Realm Book 2, which is a supplement, and uh, this is covering the Psychotropics. Currently, we're covering the Sacred Pools, and we stopped right after reading about the people that live there called Creeps. We're going to get into the flora now. The sizes, shapes, colors, and types of plants in this continent are without measure, but there are a few that are local to the Sacred Pools. So we will start with Mirror Moss, which is a silver growth that grows in the pools, and on the sunny side of plants around the sacred pools, mirror moss is not edible unless you want horrible diarrhea, but it does have uses. They are often boiled down into a paste and used to make bright silver paint, which is used all over the ether realm. Once it dries, it's nearly an enamel, and the silence 
is known to paint their teeth with it to shine in the dark, signaling to each other silently with smiles. Uh, if you'll remember from uh, last um, last episode, we discussed there was a couple, um, well, some of the larger factions around here, which are people that attack uh, travelers to the sacred pools. Uh, they're called the Psychos, the Slaughter Fists, the Pool Boys, the Silence, and the Invisa Killers, and that's just to name a few. So the Silence, specifically, they give their self crunk with the boiled down silver from the mirror walls, and they've got shiny teeth, and uh, they can signal to each other at night, which is pretty neat. It's also creepy. So the Prim Lily is a bright green flower used in poisons with Eversleep being the most common drug it can be found in. Uh, burst, br- burst bushes are bright orange bushes dotting the jungle around the sacred pools that bear banana-style fruit called a narrow longer that has powerful sobering properties. So this is actually an anti-drug drug. It can clear the effects of nearly any other drug or elixir that can be found in this place. This would be the only real cash crop of the sacred pools, but most people would rather attack visitors than harvest. As for the fauna of the sacred pools, there are four major types of birds that call the sacred pools home, and all of them are edible. The crest hook egg snatches up fish with the hook of its beak. Colorful jungle swallows dart back and forth through the trees looking for fruit. Barter rooks are attracted attracted to shiny objects and will snatch them right off your body at high speeds. That would be terrifying to be walking along and have a necklace snatched off by a barter rook. And a panda purr are a flightless bird nearly as large as a horse with a beak that can take off your hand in one bite. While they are herbivores, they are quite aggressive when cornered or attacked and have the power to defend themselves. Several jungle predators also pose a threat to travelers as well. Leopards are a type of cat. It's spelled leaford. Leopard are a type of cat whose fur grows in green and brown patches resembling leaves and makes it very easy to sneak up on unsuspecting prey. Canimas are a dog-sized reptilian species with two stingers in their lower jaw. One stab and you are paralyzed for hours. It then drags you to its den to feed its babies with your body until you vanish and are reborn. Tin bits are an uh, insect-sized self-replicating android species that burrow underground in the banks near the sacred pools. Word has it that they burrow under the sacred pools in search of a metallic ore that they feed on. They don't pose much threat except that their network of tunnels in this area has caused some places around the pools to be hollow and caused dangerous pitfalls. And that is about all we're going to cover. We're going to finish the sacred pools next episode, and we've got a couple little anecdotes and things like that. Um, about glitches, which is a very dangerous thing that lives in this area. And um, we'll also touch the backstory of the uh, sacred pools and talk about the pool guardians, which sounds kind of weird, but they're actually freaking creepy. So, as always, thank you for listening to the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast, and I appreciate all of your support on Patreon, all of you that do that. And um, I appreciate everybody uh, giving us a rating. If you will please give us a rating on Stitcher or SoundCloud or iTunes or Podbean or whatever, I have some links in the show notes and exactly where you can do that. Because I have found it very, very hard in order, uh, very hard to find how to rate a show. Because I've wanted to rate some of my favorite podcasts before and I cannot find it. It's just very, very hard to find. So... 
We will see you next Monday at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And in the meantime, um, try not to get too upset that there's not a podcast every day. You'll just have to deal with a podcast every week. I love you all. Good day.